Hey, welcome to church. We got some praise, clap. It's good to see everyone in church today. Um, well, hey, if you're here for the first time, welcome. Uh, we're glad here at Trinor that you're with us today. Sincerely, we are. We're very glad that you're with us. And um, I understand, and we, I try to uh, at least acknowledge the fact, and I know every time that people come to a place for the first time, uh, there's a lot of anxieties and stress and nervousness about it. And I'm just grateful that you fought through that and you're here today. And we're grateful for it. If you're here for the second week in a row, um, welcome back. We're so glad that you're back in the house of house of God, and um, for everyone else who calls this place home, um, welcome home. It's good to see you back in church on Sunday. Amen. It's good to be in, a, in, that, in the Lord's house. Hey, do you know every time you start something, you have the, you have the ability to acknowledge God in what you begin? And uh, some of us don't realize, but us being found in the house of the Lord um, is us acknowledging to God, God, at the beginning of this week, not at the end, not halfway through, at the beginning of this week, I'm going to choose to acknowledge you. Um, and so I'm going to be found in the house of the Lord. Psalm 92, 13 says that those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. There is this principle that says our position is reflective um, of our life. And I'm just grateful that those who are positioned well at the beginning of the week in God's house um, can expect good things. Can you say amen? Hey, uh, I believe God's placed something on my heart, and uh, I'm excited to share with you this morning um, as we conclude 2018 and really begin um, 2019. And uh, God has been so good to us as a church, and um, not without trial, not without um, loss, not without ups and downs. And every year we celebrate victories. We mourn with those who are mourning and losses, and, and, and we're grateful to see God's love and grace and mercy displayed um, through it all. And only God can do that um, in his own ability. And I, I'm, I'm grateful today um, that we can look back just last week and we can celebrate that over 300 people um, uh, on team uh, served in God's house to pull off the five services that we had last Sunday. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Um, we saw over 300 leaders on team serving. It was amazing. In addition to that, we saw over 60 people go up and say, I just received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Can I have a Bible? Um, 60 people. It's pretty awesome. And uh, in addition to that, uh, between our four services here at Mantua and our one service at Collingswood, we saw over 3,400 people attend church last week. It's pretty awesome, isn't it? And so grateful for what God's doing and anticipate um, greater things. Um, now to him who was able to do exceedingly abundantly, more than we could ever ask or imagine. Do you believe that? And uh, I'm excited uh, to share with you what God's placed in my heart. And let me just begin uh, in, in this direction. Every time you conclude something and have the anticipation of starting something new, I've come to realize that, that we usually draw on our own wisdom and knowledge and we make course or we set directions based on what we desire to accomplish. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with us surveying the past and surveying the present and then determining what course we will chart in 2019. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But I've come to learn that, that we have a peculiar way of setting our course. Most of us do. And I understand that, that we, we have a peculiar way in doing it. And I say that with all due respect because I'm in the same boat as you. I, I do the exact same things. I'm preaching to myself today, truth be told. And 
we typically set our course based on what we desire to see in our life. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with saying, I want my marriage to be better. I want to deal with this addiction. I want to deal with this pain. I want to deal with the lack of peace and joy in my life. I want to deal with bitterness and anger and unforgiveness. I want to deal with apathy. I, I want to deal with all these things. There's nothing wrong with identifying those things that you want to deal with. Now, I don't, I'm not, I suppose that the, the Lord placed on my heart this, this word because it's so important that we understand there's significance in how we begin and how we start. And, and I know, how many of you are grateful to know that you're a work in progress? <laughs> when people see me, they're like, oh man, you're not where you should be. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm grateful. I'm a work in progress. And, and I'm grateful that, that I will, by the grace of God, finish at a better place than I am today. Somebody say amen. <laughs> and I don't mind if people walk into the season of my life and see brokenness and see things that are not yet perfected. This is not a thing of perfection. If you're here today and you are chasing perfection, Good luck. <laughs> this is a journey to follow Jesus. It's not a destiny to arrive to. It's a person to know better, and his name is Jesus. And so when we gather together and we enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise, it means that we do so recognizing that we are not where we should be yet, and that we are not perfect, and that we don't have it all together. But it is by the grace of God and the work of Jesus Christ on the cross that we can gather together and with confidence lift our hands to God because we know who he is in our life and we can worship him because of that. Do you know I've realized something? That the, the enemy will begin his approach to attack you in a very simplistic way. And though he uses a plethora of approaches, he is always about the same thing. He wants you confused, not only about your identity, but also your journey. And I've realized in my journey with, with the Lord that the devil does the same thing over and over. He just does it in different ways. I can't walk confidently if I forget who I am. I can't look to the future with hope and with excitement if I forget who I am. I can't live in the midst of turmoil and circumstances I don't like and have peace and confidence if I forget who I am. And if you continue to strive and to, to be motivated to do things for God, can I just tell you, it's the wrong thing. God wants us first and foremost to recognize who we are in his eyes. I often think about my journey with the Lord. You know, I look at it from, from where I am today, and I look back in time, and I said, you know, the grace of God was covering me before I even understood grace. <laughs> his love was all around me before I understood his love. He went to the cross and died for me before I even knew his name. And all the while, when I was apart from him, he did all that for me and still guided me and protected me and loved me. And then there's a season of my life where I, I kind of come to the place and I collide with this moment in time to where I start to recognize who is Jesus in my life? What is this grace? What is this purpose and this meaning of life that I'm called to? And it's like at that collision that I recognize what the purpose of life is all about. But yet in that moment of time, I still find there's a tension. I said yes to Jesus and maybe you're, you're in a journey and you surrendered your life to Jesus. Do you recognize that you don't always have the power to control things, but you have the power to surrender your life? 
and you surrendered your life to Jesus because you have the power to surrender, and so you've surrendered, and on a daily basis, you surrender your life to the Lord, not knowing necessarily what the future holds, but you know who holds the future. So you're all right saying, God, I, I, this was not part of the plan, but just because I don't see it, God, I don't deny that you have a purpose somehow wrapped in the midst of this confusion and this hurt and this pain, and Father, I love you, and I believe that you're for me and not against me. And it's in this early process of understanding who God is that really helps us set the course of our life or our journey with the Lord. I realized something that when I first became aware of who God was in my life, this interesting thing happened. I remember people telling me how good God was, how gracious he is, how caring and loving he is. And I started to ask myself the questions, well, then why this and why that? And then you start to learn that, that God allows humanity to live with free will because it's difficult to define love and have free will extracted from that equation. And so you understand that because of sin existing in the world, that sin destroys the intentions of God and we live in a broken and a fallen world and sometimes things happen that we don't want to happen but nonetheless it does not change the character of God and as we learn and we understand that he's patient and he's kind and his grace is inexhaustible I can't exhaust it and I start to try to wrap my mind around it I start to become appreciative of who God is I become overwhelmed by how he sees me I find myself continually asking me, God, are you sure you're okay with me? I keep screwing this up. God, are you sure that, that your patience is, is, is continual enough with me? Because I know that like, you need a lot of patience for me. God, are you sure that, 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 that I'm all right? And, and the more I learn of God, the more I'm, I'm secure in who I am. And so I can look at the future and say, it's not because of me. It's because of who he is in me and through me that enables me to see my life and my future through a different lens. And so it's an understanding who he is that really charts the course of our life. And I've come to recognize that in us understanding who he is in our life, that a peculiar thing happens. A peculiar thing. We, we become aware of who he is, and we somehow unintentionally think that God is following us. <laughs> and it's a subtle thing. It's not intentional. I don't believe it's malicious, but... We look at God as part of our team now. And so as we pursue these different endeavors and as we pursue a, a happy life and uh, um, these dreams and aspirations, we say, God, this is my desires. These are the desires of my heart. And Lord, I know that you want to bless me and that you're for me and not against me. So come on, we're going to go this way. <laughs> and God, come on, you, you said you're going to bless me. And it's, it's almost, have you ever felt like that? If, if you're subtle in your prayers, you'll, you'll notice that sometimes there's this reversal where we want God to bless everything that we're about. And then we get discouraged and we say, well, God, come on, I'm in church every week. I sit in those blue chairs. They're uncomfortable. I don't like them, but I'm there for you. It's for you. But we begin to do things for God in this subtle ambition so that God will bless the things that we are doing. It's subtle and you don't realize it until you get to a, poor, a part of a journey and you start to plead with God, God, where are you? I thought you were going to bless my life and you're going to be about my life. And God's like, hey, you charted a course on your own. And I was never in the equation of that. You're halfway down and you're halfway into the journey of what you're doing and now you're asking me why it's there because you've never consulted me at the beginning. I want to talk to you about what to do at the beginning of anything. At the start of a new year, at the conclusion of a year, 
I can tell you, I know this to be true. If you omit God from the equation of your plans to start in 2019, they will not succeed. They will not succeed. And I don't say that as a pessimist. I don't say that to be discouraging. I don't say that because of statistics or any other reason. I just know that many are the plans in the, in the heart of man. But the purposes of the Lord will prevail. And I know that while we have desires in our own heart and that we run to pursue them, we often ask God to join us in our own pursuit. But that's not what we are as sons and daughters of God. We pursue his purposes and plans for our life. Some of us, I was working the middle of last year on this series title. And I was sharing with one of the pastors on staff. I said, man, I just, God's putting this on my heart and I don't, I don't know how to articulate it. I feel like God's trying to explain to me how to tell people to surrender their plans and that his plan for their life is far greater than any plan they could ever imagine or ask for. But the only way that his plan comes to pass is if they surrender their plan and take, their, and take his mantle and to begin to run with it. And they're saying, well, talk more, talk more. And I began to talk more. And I said, well, I just feel like we think we know ourselves better than the one who created us. And we begin to pursue these things and think, if I get there, it's going to fulfill me. If I get there, I'm going to be blessed. If I get there, I'm going to have this peace. If I get there, I'm going to have this joy. And we run and we strive and we stress and we do all of these things to accomplish this. And we get there and we realize that what we thought we were going to receive is not there. And so we pursue other things. And I just want people to know that as they begin the pursuit of this journey, they need to have God in the equation and surrender their plan for their life and take the plan that God has for their life. And, I, and the, the, the pastor looked at me because I got, I got, I got the title. And I was like, well, well what, what is it? And he goes, your plan sucks. God's is better. And I said, um, seriously, <laughs> that's, that's the great talk. We'll talk next week, you know, type thing. The truth is, is that all of us need to get to a point in our life to recognize, are we serving God or are we expecting God to serve us? And as we follow Jesus, see, this is what I love about the Lord. This is what I love about the Lord. The Word of God says there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You know what he's saying at the, at the outset, the Apostle Paul, he's saying, listen, if you think that God is going to use guilt, condemnation, fear, stress, oppression, to draw people to himself, you're wrong. Has the church used it in the past? Have other people attempted to use that? Absolutely. That's not how God operates. God does not put people in change and say, follow me. <laughs> he gives people the choice. He says, you can follow me. You can, you can choose to focus on the things of the kingdom of God. The word of God says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, seek first. First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things will be added unto you. But what do we do in our flesh? We seek all of these things and then want the righteousness of God to be on our pursuits of all these things. And God says it's backwards. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But you know what our flesh says? It's wrong. It's not going to yield the results that we truly want. But my friend, I'm here to tell you today, it will give you far more than you want and you desire. But you have to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It's about Jesus and your relationship with him. I don't know how this happens. I suppose it's our flesh fighting against the things of the spirit within us. And we can live a life and we can say, we're not a bad person. I'm doing the best I can. 
And maybe you're familiar with organized religion and church and you think it's about manipulation. God does not manipulate people. He gives you the ability to choose and to follow him. That's what I love about the Lord, that there's people that come into this house week in and week out, that have jobs that expect them to work more than 50 or 60 hours a week, but yet they're here at 5 a.m. serving. Not only that, there's people that give thousands of dollars to the church so that the message of Jesus Christ can be communicated throughout this region and around the world. People trust the Lord. They believe that God is their provision. They believe that God gave them the skills and the talents they have. And by them bringing a portion of what that God has blessed them with back to the house, they're not only being obedient to God, they're acknowledging, God, I trust you are the source of my provision. There's people that do that. There's people that serve. There's people that, that, that give. There's people that, that pray and set up. There's people that do tons in this church. And yet, there are people that come week in and week out and do nothing. And guess what? That's okay. Do you know why? Because just as we're patient with people, God is patient with us. God does not force people to grow and mature quickly. He desires that we follow him. And as we begin to follow him and trust in him and less in ourselves, can I tell you what happens? We begin to mature. The greatest demonstration of maturity is that our trust is not in ourselves, our trust is in him. It's the greatest demonstration of one's maturity. Maturity is not gained through sitting in a seat in Sunday services. Maturity is not even gained in reading the word. So we deceive ourselves in just hearing the word but not doing what it says. The Bible says that faith and works act together as a complementary thing to one another. Saying that as God begins to download his, his truth into my heart, I begin to trust him more. And the demonstrations of my trust are seen in the way that I conduct and the, begin, and the way that I live my life. And for many of us, as we begin this new year, I want to encourage you more than anything else that we need to begin this new year with God involved in the equation. There's this story in the Bible about a wise man who builds his house upon the rocks. And it says the foolish man builds his house upon the sand. And maybe you've been in church for a while, but there's songs about this parable. And we grew up as um, young boys and girls in our family uh, singing this song. And we loved the song. There was, there was uh, a jingle to it, and we'd do these motions and hand gestures. And the more I studied this passage, it was something so simple and simple seemingly insignificant, but there's so much substance in that song and even in that parable that a wise man not only hears the words but acts upon them and he begins to build his house upon the rock and the rock is a description of the word of God. In essence, it's saying that this man begins. Everybody say begins. He begins everything he's doing on the foundation of who God is. Everything. He didn't decide to, to cultivate this and do that and then at the end say, God, I'm putting the roof on the house. I'd love for you to bless it. The Word of God says that the wise man begins and understands that the things of God are foundational to anything. Is it about someone constructing a home? No, it is not. It's about someone constructing a life. In this past month or so, I feel like God has placed in my heart this sense of urgency to communicate to his children, this, the importance of recognizing temporal things and eternal things. Temporal things and eternal things. Temporal things and eternal things. 
Jesus was asked in his court hearings before he went to the cross. He was convicted of and, and ridiculed for saying that he would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Temple taking years upon years to build, but he would destroy it and rebuild it. The Pharisees and the Sadducees were blown away that he would make such a statement because they were obsessed with the temporal things, the things that they could see and the things that they could touch. But Jesus was communicating them eternal things, but they could not see eternal things through the lens of temporal things. And I believe that everything that God calls us to has an eternal fingerprint to it. It's bigger than the moment. It's bigger and more significant than just seeing it as it is on the plain surface. That God has eternal things wired into every relationship, into every conversation, into every Sunday experience, into every worship set. Into everything that God calls us to, there's eternal purposes. And for many of us, we are so consumed with the temporal things. And I would just encourage you to recognize that there's going to be a point in your journey of life that you're going to turn around and look like this. And I know that my path is not straight, that I've pursued things that God never wanted me to pursue, and I found myself back by the grace of God pursuing him and lifting my eyes and focusing on him. And can I tell you why I think that happens? Because I think we continually trust in ourselves more than we trust in him. When I was younger, I used to have to cut the grass in these large fields, um, 10 plus acre fields, and, and I loved it. It was, for me, it was one of the fondest memories of it, being a child. And I was younger and big tractors and sitting on it is like a dream come true for a young boy. And, and I remember cutting the grass and the primary way I would approach it is I would cut the perimeter of the large field first, one or two times. And then I would find the best spot which appeared to be the middle of the field. And the goal would be to cut as straight of a line as possible down the center of the field. And then I would work that center line out to the edges so that it would look perfect. And I wanted it to look perfect. I didn't want to look like um, I was drunk trying to cut the, the field. Do you know what I'm saying? And I remember something so peculiar that would happen every single time I would approach to cut the field. Every time I would approach to cut it, I would try so hard to cut the line straight. So hard. And I remember saying to myself, like, something was wrong with the wheel. And any time I would try to cut it straight, I became aware of all the things that were wrong with the tractor. When I didn't care about cutting things straight, it was everything was great. But when I wanted to do things right and perfect, I noticed all these imperfections. And, and the wheel was loose and the tire was low and the, the, the mower was pulling and, and all of these things. And I would try to the best of my ability to cut it as straight as possible. And every time I would try to do it my best, I would turn around. I kept looking to make sure I was going right. And how many you know, every time you turn around, the wheel kind of goes this way and you go back and you think you're going well. And the only way for you to determine if you cut it straight was for you to get to the finish line. When we got to the finish line, you'd, stand, you'd get there, and you'd, for me, this may seem silly and insignificant. I promise you this is connecting to everything in your life. And when you get to the end of the field, and you turn around, and you look at the line, you're thinking, what in the world was I looking at? You, you're like, I didn't just do that. There's no way that I just made that huge. I can't even see where I started. I cut it so crooked. Then I remember a conversation with my father. He says, listen. Stop trying to steer it and just focus in the distance on like a tree or whatever and don't take your eyes off of it. I'm like, well, what else do I do? He's like, just that. Just focus on that. I'm like, that's stupid. 
And I don't know why I didn't want to believe it. It just seemed too easy. But it also not only seemed too easy, but it, it circumvented my control. It almost said, listen, you, you've done enough trying to do it straight. <laughs> just focus your eyes on something that's fixed. And I remember saying to myself the first time I did, I was like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever done. I've ever done so. I'm like, here we go, I'm watching. And I'm like, hmm. I'm being so sarcastic as I'm doing this by myself, which is pretty weird in and of itself. But I'm cutting the grass. I'm thinking like, this is going to be a disaster. I get to the end, I turn around, and I'm like, Lord have mercy. <laughs> this is perfectly straight. You know, in the word of God, it says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And I don't know what it is if it's in our inability to relinquish control. Maybe it's in our inability to deal with past pains or hurts. Maybe it's in our inability to reconcile with God. Maybe we are hurt by the church. Maybe we've been hurt by people in the church. I don't know. Maybe you're angry at God. Can I tell you something? If you're frustrated at God, it's all right. He can take it. If you read through the scriptures, you'll find that David and other people throughout the word of God were vexed. They were frustrated. They were angry with God. They were torn. And they were honest with God. Just honest with God. God, this is where I am. Where are you? And I've come to realize in my journey with the Lord that God meets us at places like that. He meets us at places that we think he'll abandon us at. He meets us at those places. But can I tell you, the word of God says that we should desire to understand what pleases God. That we should desire to understand what pleases God. And as we begin 2019, I'm here to tell you today that one of the things that will please God if he is at the foundation of all the plans that you have. All the plans. And I know some of you will come up to me and say, well, listen, Pastor, I love that preach. It was good. It was really good. It was really good. But what I have is this problem. I had this problem with my, with my business. I'm struggling here. I'm struggling there. And so when I get that business, I just want God to bless the business. And I'm just trying to, okay. And you'll say that it's completely irrelevant to what I spoke about. And other people will come and tell me and say, hey, you, I love the message. It was great. But, you know, I'm struggling with my marriage. And my marriage is struggling. My kids are far from God. Or I'm dealing with this, this emotional thing. Or I have this psychological thing I'm dealing with. I got this physical ailment that I'm dealing with. Can I tell you something, every aspect of your life must begin with God. Every aspect of your life. There is not one area in your life that God is not concerned about. And I just pray at the beginning of this year that we can focus, we can lift our eyes, fix our eyes on the things of Jesus, and that He is the only one that can make our path straight. And can I tell you, He's not discouraged by our failures. He's not overwhelmed by him to the point where he says, man, no more grace for you. <laughs> no more patience for you. He's faithful, even when we're faithless. I want to read you this passage of scripture. Do you want to, do you want to read some Bible before we go? Three of you do. It's awesome. We love the Bible, church, okay? Um, I want to read to you first in Hebrews chapter 12. Listen to what it says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, this cloud of witnesses are those who are in heavenly places, and we're surrounded by them. And it says, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off, throw off everything 
that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Do you know, I, I remember having arguments with the Lord and saying, God, I wanted to get in shape. God, I wanted to spend more time with my wife. God, I wanted to do this. That was my plan for this year. And I have all these plans and this happens and this happens and this happens. And I've come to realize that that God patiently stands beside us when we've made plans that have excluded him. But we want his blessing on them. And I'm just here to tell you today that, that God's not interested in being second in your life. He's not. He's not interested in being second. He's interested in being first. Some of us don't understand this. We think that the church typically wants people to come just so it can advance the cause of the church. I've come to realize that until people understand that God loves them to a place where he desires and yearns for them to understand his heart, that it's only then do they then have a desire for the things of God. And then it doesn't work in reverse order. I can't tell you to understand the heart of God and to, and to advance the things of God until you understand his heart and who he is. And I pray at the beginning of this year that you would begin to pursue him, that you'd read his word. Some of you are like, man, I'm so confused. Read in the New Testament, read the gospels. Begin there, read a little bit, and then sit in, sit in quiet and talk to the Lord about where you are, your frustrations, your pains, your feelings, your confusions, your ideas, your future. Talk to the Lord. He wants to converse with you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to, to walk with you in every aspect of your life. Doesn't want to just stand by and watch you go through things and through pains and difficult seasons. And he doesn't want to just be the person you pray to when things are great and when things are bad. He wants to walk with you through every aspect of your life. In Ephesians, Paul writes to the church, and the passage of scripture that he writes in Ephesians chapter three through chapter five is so it's just deep, it's rich. There's so much into it and it's one of those portions of scripture where you read like two verses and you're like, I just need to stop and think about that for like three months. And then like, then I can move on. You know what I mean? There's a lot to it, but I love what he says in verse eight. And it might not be on the screens, but I just want you to listen to this. He says, for you were once darkness. He's talking to those who are in Christ, those who have chosen to surrender their life to Jesus and say, Jesus, I will follow you all the days of my life. I will go where I don't naturally desire to go, but I trust that you're for me and not against me. And I believe with all my heart that you're gonna lead me to the places that you've called me to, to my purpose. And so I trust you. And these are the surrendered people. And Paul's writing to the church and he's saying, listen now, I need you to understand the eternal things that are involved in serving Jesus. He says, for you were once darkness, not in darkness, you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So listen to what he says. Live as children of light in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. In verse 15, he says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. I love that God promises to never leave us nor forsake us, that he promises to always be with us no matter what the season holds. But the Bible says that God shall not be mocked. We reap what we sow. And many of us constantly sow into our own ambitions, our own desires, our own pursuits, our own dreams. And you will reap from that. Can I just encourage you this morning, as you begin setting your course for 2019, 
please, I plead with you, do not begin to set your course in 2019 excluding the things of God. Don't exclude it. I really believe 2019 is going to be a supernatural year for you, for your family, for your children, for your business. Do you know why? Because I believe that you're going to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of those things will be added unto you. Amen. Let me pray for you. Can you bow your heads and close your eyes? Father, I'm so grateful for those who are present in your house today. Father, thank you for being with us today. Father, I thank you that you promised to never leave us nor forsake us. I thank you that you promised to be with us in good times and bad times and, and all that's in between. And Father, I pray right now that you would begin to strengthen our resolve and our our ability to surrender control of our life and to trust you in all areas of our life. May we not only consult you for our direction and our future, but Father, may we look to you for, as the one who provides direction to our future. Father, I thank you that you are the author and the perfecter of our faith, the Alpha and the Omega. Father, may we recognize that temporal things are here today and they're gone tomorrow. But Father, your word endures forever. The eternal things that we do endure forever. Father, may we have a revelation of what that means for our life. Hey, thanks for watching. I pray that that message was a blessing to you. And I pray it's encouraged you um, wherever you find yourself in your journey of life. We never like to end any one of our services without giving you um, the opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse nine, that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus was raised to life, that you will be saved. And salvation is a free gift. You can't earn it, you can't buy it, you can't work towards it. It can only be received. It's this incredible grace that comes only from God. So. The Bible says that right where you are in your season, not trying to fix anything else, not trying to get yourself better, not waiting or putting off salvation, but today to make the decision to say yes to Jesus, that you know you can't save you, that you need Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life. The Bible says it only requires you to say a simple prayer. So repeat after me, just say this prayer. Say, dear, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died on the cross and rose again. Come into my life and make me new. I'm now a Christian. Christ now lives in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you just said that prayer, we believe that your eternity is secure in Christ. One of the things that I wanna encourage you to do, your next step, if you would, um, is to tell somebody. Whether you're telling us through the website and contacting us and informing us or telling someone else at a local church that maybe you visited, the second thing I want to encourage you to do is to be planted in a healthy Bible-based church, whether it's True North Church or another church close to you. Find a church community to do life with. Man, we're so excited for you. Make sure that you get a Bible. If you don't have one, please reach out to us. We'd love to bless you with the Bible and encourage you on your journey with Jesus. I'm excited for you. I truly believe that your best days are still ahead.